Hey there, friends. I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, episode 14, Cover Me, volume 3. We got Johnny Cars coming back on the show. We're going to discuss some of these Bruce Springsteen covers today. Uh, got some good tunes lined up for you, so let's get into it. Cover me, cover me, cover me. Welcome to Canadian Corner, a.k.a. Great White North. <laughs> All right, so actually, okay, here we go. We are doing our uh, Cover Me Volume 3 episode, backed by popular demand. It is Johnny Carr. You did so, one without me? Yeah, I, you listened to that one. It's, I did one with uh, Mike and Baba. Oh, Mike and Baba did a cover yeah. episode, too? they showed up for uh, Cover Me Volume 2. So we got John back for Cover Me Volume 3. So once again, we're going to discuss uh, one song that Springsteen has covered, and then five songs of other people covering Springsteen songs. So, uh, so we, we before we get into that, uh, let's just talk some current events. <laughs> <laughs> we just watched a kick-ass uh, baseball game today afternoon. Blue Jays defeated the Minnesota Twins by a score of eight to seven. Big comeback. Uh, I'm sure all the Yankees fans will like that reference. Who was that pitcher? We had a, we had a clinch strikeout when we needed it. And the guy totally oh, exploded. Jason off. Greeley? Is that his name? Greeley? Greeley? And he, you know, like pitchers, like when they get a big strikeout and they close the inning, they're supposed to walk back to the dugout all reserved and like not show emotion. And have I that. don't think that's true at all. You don't think that? Well, people get pumped up all Really? Pitchers are always like. But you always see them like walking back and, and trying not to yeah. show emotion because you know, they know the camera's on them, right? So they're trying not to show I anything. Guess so. But anyway, this guy exploded with a rage of like, fuck yeah, come on, world. let's fucking go. Yeah, it was so metal. And then the next inning, like, uh, what happened? The, the Jays were down seven, what are they down? They were down seven, six, and then we got two runs, including a in-the-park home run to uh, get in, the game winner. The rare inside-the-park home run. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. Yeah, but how, how about some Springsteen current events, though? So, uh, so Springsteen's doing his uh, his U.S. run of a couple. He's finishing his River Tour 2016, doing some stadium shows in the U.S. Here, he just played a couple in New Jersey, and he broke the record for his longest show in the U.S. ever. His wow. his longest show ever is in Helsinki, Finland, I believe, uh, 2012. He played four hours five minutes, but uh, he was waiting for the sun to go down, and it never did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like this week, I think he played. He played New Jer- MetLife Stadium. That's New Jersey, right? That's the old uh, Giants Stadium. Is that right? It used to be Giants Stadium, and now it's if MetLife. You say so yeah, I don't know them by the corp- corporate names. I know them by like the old fashioned names. Well, the old fashioned name is Giants Stadium, right? Well, if the I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm right though. And then they changed it to MetLife Stadium. Well, Same I with like Yankee Stadium, right? They have a new. Anyway. Wherever the stadium was, he played in New Jersey, and, he, and like I think the first show he played like three hours fifty eight minutes, and then the next night he played f- like four hours on the nose. So it's pretty insane that the guy's playing a four hour show. He's like almost sixty seven years old. This is crazy. No, the old guys keep rocking. Nobody else does. Yeah, no one's picking up the slack. Where you'll get like uh, I'm sure Coldplay play like eighty minute shows or whatever. <laughs> or, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. I've seen bands headline and play like you know 80 like i've seen ozzy play like an 80 minute headlining yeah, no. sled and stuff like that right so that's like like 
three times Ozzy could have played in the period that Bruce just kept playing continuously, right? So <laughs> it's pretty cool. So then we got like a book coming out. Have you heard about that? There's a Born to Run book. Bruce has got an autobiography coming out. I know he's going to do a book. That's the most I know about it. Yeah, it's coming out September, so that's exciting. So we'll see what, what he says about that. And he's got a record coming out to coincide with that. It's going to have like uh, five unreleased songs. Oh, wow. Yeah, from early in his career. Some of his, his first ever studio recording from the 60s with the Castillos. Oh, so yeah. Uh, sort of um, extra tracks kind of album as opposed to new stuff. Well, it's got like five unreleased songs and then kind of like 15 hits throughout his career and I think the vibe is that the each song is is a chapter title of his book. So oh. like one chapter is Born in the USA, one chapter is like Atlantic City, one chapter uh, is, you know, like whatever growing up, you know. And then it has all the songs that are the yeah, chapter titles. Kind of thing like that, yeah. So it's kind of neat. Uh so what other any other current events have you seen any good concerts lately, John? No. No, you haven't gone. I'm, it's not been a big concert season for you. I'm going summer. to Black Sabbath, it looks like, which I guess is exciting. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. But I there's don't. no Bill Ward, so I'm upset. Like, I would like to see that. You know, I'm sure it's going to be good. Like, Ozzy, like, I wish I could see Ozzy, but it's it's just weird without Bill Ward. I don't know. I can't get on board with that. I'm sure you're getting free tickets, though, or something like that. <laughs> through that James's buddy. I don't want to discuss that on the air. <laughs> All right, and then we're going, we're, we're going to see Willie Nelson in a couple of weeks. Hey, that's going we to be are fucking going to great. See Willie. Willie Nelson at Casino Ramble. The first time ever. I saw him once. Uh, it would have been nineteen ninety one ish with the Highwaymen. The Highwaymen played this played the Sky Dome here in Toronto, and uh, so you've only seen him as Highwayman. Yeah, you've never seen him. As no, yeah, yeah. Willie? I've never seen him solo. So this is like the Willie Nelson and family show, where I guess he's playing with his like his long haired sister on the piano and. Uh, I can't understand why we didn't go see him at Massey Hall. Like, I remember he was playing Massey Hall, and it was two or three nights. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. And I was ago totally like, oh, right? I'm going to that for sure. Yeah. And then when it came time to go to it, I just never went to it, and I'm not really sure. I don't know, John. Why. We go to so many shows, it's like, yeah. you, you can't I just, just expect out. us to go to everything good, because, like, we're in Toronto here, and Toronto gets a hell of a lot of shows that are really good, you know? Like, Tom Jones is playing, and I'm not going to that. I feel bad about that, but, you know, you just can't go to everything. Anyway. All right, so let's get into this uh, this Cover Me episode where we're going to talk about some cover songs. So the first song we're going to talk about is Springsteen covering somebody else. So we're going to do the song Dream Baby Dream, which is Springsteen covering a suicide track. Ow! You like suicide, eh, John? I went to see Suicide last year with James. Yeah. And then... Where did you have to go? They didn't play Toronto, right? You had to go, you had to road trip that Oh, one? it was, yeah, sorry. It was New York City. It was at Webster Hall. I know it was in March. But I'm not sure the exact night, but it was a Saturday night. And um, then like all like it's got to be close. Well, not close to a year, but about just this year, I'm with James again. And we're in Montreal seeing a movie festival. Yeah. And we came back to the hotel and found out that Alan Vega died. So I was with James to see the show. And then I was with James the night that we found out he was dead crazy yeah so he died i guess uh this summer a couple a couple of weeks ago like in july the end of july or whatever yeah and springsteen was on tour and he opened one of his shows like the, i guess the whatever the next show he had on schedule after the he died he opened the show with dream baby dream he opened with and he did a nice like press message about what a great guy he was and yeah revolutionary uh artist and all of that stuff so suicide we're basically a band uh, composed of two guys. Main guys, Alan Vega and then Martin Rev, right? So Alan Vega is kind of the, he's the guy with the singer and Martin Rev is the guy like behind the keyboards. Mm -hmm. They were kind of a band like that, right? Similar to almost Pet Shop Boys. I never drew that analogy, but is that kind of, would you? 
Well, the same lineup. Yeah, yeah, two, guy, <laughs> two guys, one guy that sings and one guy that kind of stands behind a keyboard, right? Yeah. Yes. And that's like the only similarity. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it works anyway. Well, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I would say that they're not very similar. Right, well, I wouldn't want somebody they're to more run out. Si- They're uh, more similar than like Guns N' Roses and Suicide, Yeah, well, I just I guess. wouldn't want somebody to run out and buy yeah, Pet Shop Suicide Boys, albums because yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, I heard they were like Pet Shop Boys. This is nothing like Pet Shop Boys. That reminds me like when I was a kid, I got a... I got a record for Christmas from my from my dad, and it was uh it was the Thompson Twins like record, right? Nice. And um and like it was just a, he it's just a random record he gave me, right? And I asked him like why he, why you would pick those guys, and he said, well, he went into the record store, and he had, he said my son likes the Stray Cats. What do you have that's like that? And the and the guys like, well, these guys Thompson Twins are like the Stray Cats, right? <laughs> and he's sure like totally. The only thing like relatable is that they can, they both have records out in 1983, and they're both like trios, so. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, anyway. I don't know. I can't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, suicide. So this, so this song um, was off a record. Uh, the original title was called uh, "Keep Your Dreams." It was off their '77 debut EP, um, produced by Rick Ocasek too. Eh? Produced by Rick Ocasek. It was out as a single. I know that. Yeah. So because it had such hit potential. Well, I think they, it says. I, I looked up some notes here on it. It says it was. Uh, it came out under a, under the title "Keep Your Dreams" that was on their '77 EP, and then a couple of years later they re-recorded it uh, as like a single. Yeah, so pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, so Springsteen, I guess, did this song, debuted this song um, when he did the Devils and Dust tour in 2005. Was when he was uh, playing solo acoustic, and he would kind of play through a lot of the Devils and Dust songs, and he would go through some of his other, you know, catalog of material and just kind of do different interpretations of these songs playing either like guitar or harmonica or piano or kind of anything with strings on it right just really different I wonder interp- if anybody else in the world thinks that was like the greatest well i know Steen tour ever i know one guy charles harrison we i just did the last podcast with this uh, new friend of mine charles harrison i met and he said his favorite number one show he's ever seen was a devil's and dust show and he's seen he's like smart guy. dozens and dozens and dozens <laughs> of shows yeah I know, i've seen like three and that's my favorite yeah but uh that was the night where you were having the bad problems with the ladies beside you oh, singing along. Fuck right? yeah! Such a good Just show. Ruined the night. Yeah, we were. It was like, it was at the Air Canada Center, but it was the Air Canada Center like cut in half, and they call it the Sears Theater. Kind of a more trying to make an arena more intimate. Not as many people in there, so we had good seats on the floor. And there's these two broads sitting next to me that are just like they just they want to sing every song. They and sang every song, every fucking song. From, no, they sang every song from the album before. The, the rising, album. the rising. Yeah, they sang every rising song all the way through. The right. other ones sometimes they, they knew when the it was choruses. A big hit, yeah, they were kind of trying, but they couldn't really get the lyrics. But from rising, they literally sang every song from the beginning to the end. Yeah, Lee was sitting right beside them, and I was separated from Lee. So for me, it was just kind of like this mild annoyance. Yeah, but off for me, to the side. But for Lee, it was like right in his ear. Yeah, it's like this girl. Like I'm watching this show, but this girl's like whispering in my ear, like. Come on up for the rising. And I'm like, uh, and I'm hearing her as loud as I'm hearing Bruce. Like, can I yeah, not just. It was a super quiet yeah, show. Yeah, it's not like a and sing-along would, show. Like, it's not a sing-along show. Remember that guy yelled out Highway Patrol or whatever, and he said shut up? Yeah. Because that's how quiet the show was. Yeah. That if somebody yelled something out in the crowd, it was like, you could hear it. It's all rude. Over. That's the era where Springsteen was like, I need some fucking quiet. Like, And they sang. Yeah. Like, Every rising song all the way through beginning to end. Yeah, Good whatever. Times. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> so for that tour, Springsteen started doing this song as his encore. This was his last song. So the version we're talking about here is um, 
is a recording that came from one of those shows. And this was released in 2008 as an EP kind of thing. It was out, uh, you could buy it on iTunes and it came out as like a vinyl release only kind of thing. Uh, it's Bruce and he's playing like a harmonium, which is an instrument similar to uh, like an accordion where you're playing, you have a keyboard like a piano, but you're you're moving wind in and out of the uh, the the instrument to create the, the sound. Like an accordion would... Uh, Expand and contract, you know what I'm saying, like that, like a bag. I, get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they do because yeah. they can't see you. So anyway, Springsteen is is uh, on this. He's playing this harmonium, but it's a different kind of harmonium. It's almost like a pump organ. So he's sitting at this like looks like an organ, and he's working. I guess the pedals at his feet are what is uh, contracting and expanding the air for the instrument. Um, so he's singing this song, playing this pedal accordion style harmonium thing. Really cool at the end where he's. You hear uh, actually like loops of like synth synthesizer patches and like uh, there's like bell keyboard parts start layering in like towards the end of the song. So I'm wondering how he's playing that. If he's just playing the harmonium part and then he's triggering another part or something like that. He has something on a loop. I think it's a loop because you can hear you mentioned when we were listening to this song like the, the how does the audience you hear the audience audibly cheer at one point during the song. They cheer immediately when he stop does the last dream baby yeah. dream, like as if they everybody in the stadium knew like that's yeah. the last dream baby dream. Meanwhile, he says dream baby dream like five hundred times. How did they know yeah. that that's the last one? What I think and what I from, can remember from the show is that he's sitting at the harmonium there playing it, singing, and then he says the last dream baby dream, and he stands up. Yeah, maybe that's it. He stands up and he goes like to the front to take a bow. Meanwhile, the music is still playing because he's got these things on loops. I think because yeah. you can hear the harmonium kind of drop out. And then all it's playing are these like synthesizer keyboard loops. So they probably just come in. Like, yeah, as like a patch thing. So then he comes, takes a bow, and the people are like, "Ooh, yeah, yeah." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, Alan Vega commented on this song. Um, he was asked, uh, "Where did I read here?" Backstreet Magazine uh, asked him in a 2005 interview about people covering his songs, and Alan Vega said, uh, "Here's a here's a quote: A lot of bands have done my stuff." suicide stuff and they basically try and copy and do it the way that that i do it um and then he's talking about bruce he says uh he just thank god finally somebody did their own version of it they interpreted my song uh he did it his way and in such a great way that i'm gonna have to sing it that way or not sing it at all anymore so even alan vega is saying like bruce totally owned the song and he he totally turn it into a version that now alan vega has to kind of do it the springsteen version way because <laughs> I think they're really similar, but yeah, I think it's similar. It's almost similar to the, um, like Trent Reznor even said about like when Johnny Cash did Hurt, how it's like, it's like now Trent can't do the song anymore because Johnny Cash has kind of made it his own, which is I think a similar thing with this. Well, when I saw him, they did it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to let you know. Did, did they do it? What? How? They didn't what, retire it. How? Did, how? What? What was the I version was, like? Like to me, they're very similar. Yeah. but Bruce Springsteen has more of a. His singing style would be more like yeah. It's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, acceptable, uh, more uh, like uh, you know. Well, this, he sings like a singer, and it's kind of commercial. And Alan Vega is yeah, an artist all the way, right. like a hundred percent. Well, the so, one yeah, the one thing I think that comes across in this song is uh, is Springsteen's vocal performance on this, which is just you know it's extremely passionate and just intense, as you always get with a Springsteen vocal. And because these are live versions, I think he always seems to turn it up live in front of an audience. 
I'll just get into a personal moment here. I'm going through an extreme amount of pain right now. I'm dealing with like a herniated disc, uh, sciatica pain. So I've been in an extreme amount of pain for the last four weeks, just constant pain. And uh, I've been seeing a chiropractor and stuff like that. So like, uh, like my nerves and my emotions and everything are just shot. And I'm just like right on the edge all the time. So when I go to a chiropractor, I get like acupuncture and I get, you know, like, chiropractor traction and i get laser treatment so when i come out of the chiropractor i'm I'm usually my body is just like shaking and i'm just kind of in a weird state not to mention that i'm all like uh fucked up on this concoction of prescribed uh pills uh as well as unprescribed like marijuana the Uh, weed is prescribed it's true what i've heard doctors have said like smoke marijuana like whatever will take the edge off because nothing's working right it's it's insane i've never dealt with anything like this anyway so what, what I'm getting at is that I was, uh, I, I just got out of a chiropractor appointment and I was driving to work and, uh, I was listening to this playlist of songs we're, we're talking about and, uh, dream baby dream came on and I'm listening to the lyrics of this song and I, I like, I just started fucking crying. You're like, my, <laughs> like a combination of like the, uh, like just the state I'm in these days and like just hearing this song and I just started fucking bawling. Eh? Like the lyrics in this song are similar to the, I think the suicide thing where they're just they want to get into like a hypnotic repetitive type of thing like where their music is just taking like a repetitive thing and repeating that and that kind of uh moves you just hearing repetitive yeah, things but building up the feeling yeah building yeah building to a climax kind of thing right and uh, same with the lyrics like the lyrics are just repetitive words each verse is like uh come on we got to keep the light burning come on we got to keep the light burning just repeating that over and over and there's some of these lyrics where like springsteen's singing come on and open your heart and uh, come on and dry your eyes and I just want to see you smile and here I am in like all this pain and like Bruce is just like pouring his heart out to me like he just wants to see me smile and just keep on dreaming and stuff and I just started like I I lost it a bit there (laughs) I definitely got the feeling when I saw the show that he loved that song yeah like loved doing it and everything a cool fact about suicide is uh they were in attendance at the very first Ramones gig right at CBGB's like doesn't John, Johnny Ramone has a, Johnny Ramone has a quote like the very first Ramone gigs? He met him and somebody else. Yeah, there was like two guys there. Freaks. It's just like yeah, Alan Vega was there and uh, and that guy's a freak. Alan Vega and somebody else told him after the show that was great. Yeah, it was the and greatest he thing was ever like, seen. These guys are freaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish I knew who the other person was. Yeah, we'll have to look that bit up. Yeah. Him and Martin. I think it was somebody else. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so all right. So let's check this song out. Dream Baby Dream. Uh, Springsteen covering some suicide. Dream baby dream. Dream baby dream. Dream baby dream. Come on and dream baby dream. Come on and Dream baby dream Dream baby dream Dream baby dream Come on and dream baby dream Come on
keep a fire burning We gotta keep the light burning Come on, you gotta keep the light burning Come on, you gotta keep the fire burning Come on and dream, baby, dream Come on and dream, baby, dream Come on Come on, you gotta keep on dreaming. 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 Come on,
song we're gonna do is a song that came off an album released in uh 2015 produced by steven van zant it's a record called introducing darlene love so this is a record steve kind of put together with darlene um kind of on the heels of that that documentary uh 20 feet from stardom <laughs> it's about backup singers right yeah and uh two of the featured background singers that they talk about in there is uh one mary clayton who has that fucking awesome clip where she's talking about recording the, that background track on Gimme Shelter with the Stones. Mm-hmm. Just an awesome, she, yeah, she talks about doing that and that's just a, that's a killer clip. It was like very late at night and I was very, you know, a little pregnant. Had curlers and the whole thing in my head, getting ready to go to bed. And we got a call, Barry, it's a group of guys in town called Rolling, the Rolling Somebodies. And they're from England and they need somebody that will sing with them. They picked me up with silk pajamas on, a mink coat, and a Chanel scarf on my head. We said it would be wonderful if a woman sang this part about that I'd written about rape, murder, and all this. It was in the middle of the night, and, and, and we thought well, we would love to have a woman sing this part. I didn't know her, and from Adam. Then she turned up in a curler, she was in bed, and she got out of bed. And, you know, it was a kind of raunchy part to sing. I said, what? Rape, murder. It's just a shot away. I started to sing, oh, children, it's a shot away, it's a shot away, with Mick. She sings the lyrics right along me and with a lot of personality, which is what was needed. What I liked was that she could sing. She was able to be merry. She didn't have to bring it down. I said, you want to do another one? I said, sure, I'll do another one. I mean, she just did it like a couple of times, you know. So I said to myself, mm-hmm, I'm going to do another one. I'm going to blow them out of this room. <laughs> I went in again, and I did that pass on the, uh, the part that says, uh, Ray Murdoch, just a shot away. So I had to go up another octave. That's good. And then the other uh, person they kind of talk about on that is Darlene Love, who's in there. And yeah, she has that one clip where she's talking about she was like a maid, right? She was working and she was like a maid. And like while she was cleaning someone's house, she had the radio on and she heard her Christmas song that uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. 
played on the radio and that's when she got like the epiphany that like what am i doing cleaning houses i should be out singing songs and stuff like that right so she kind of oh to go back to it yeah that this was in like the last five to ten years or something like that so she returned to her music career so she put this uh, record together she got steve to help her out steve uh, they picked a bunch of songs to cover like older songs and then Steve also asked a few people to write some songs for this new project. So uh, Elvis Costello, yeah, Elvis Costello, uh, the great Jimmy Webb. We both, I think, we both agree that the best song is the Jimmy Webb song. Yeah, the Jimmy Webb song is pretty is almost the standout track on this record, which sounds like it fits in with that MacArthur Park. Uh, what was his, what was his other tracks? Uh, Wichita song? Lyman and uh, was his uh, by the time I get to Phoenix was that him too? Yeah, so it fits in with those kind of big songs. It's also a Linda Perry writes a song. There's a new song, a Barry Mann, Cynthia Wilde song. And as well, Bruce contributes two songs to this. So I'm sure Stephen was like, Bruce, I'm doing a record with uh, with Darlene. Can you write a couple and of songs? He wrote the most over-the-top yeah. Spectre-esque yes. Springsteen song. Like It sounds like total yeah, Born like, to Run. Yeah, Born to Run, put Spectre. A, yeah. Put through a Spectre machine. Yeah, so it really comes out. It's got the, um, it's got the, uh, the Clarence-esque sax on it which is actually played by uh jake clemens clarence's nephew so jake shows up on this track playing the sax part you got anything else to say about it's good it's a good one eh? yeah so this is a great song so check this out this is uh the great vocals of darlene love on some great uh you know 60s kind of vibe soul rock and roll springsteen lyrics this is a night closing in For just one moment, I look at my heartache and the long, lonely hours start wearing me thin. Baby, I can feel the night. Baby, I can feel the night. Baby, I can feel the
Killer. All right, so next song we're going to do is uh, Pink Cadillac by Jerry Lee Lewis, the killer. Probably one of the greatest rock and roll legends, rock and rollers of all time. Humans. Humans. One of the best mother-humping humans of all time. (laughs) Jerry Lee Lewis. So this song, Pink Cadillac, uh, the Bruce version was originally uh, like a B-side to Dancing in the Dark uh, from 1984 when that came out. Yeah, so Pink Cadillac. So what do you think this song's about? Like about sex or about a car? Probably both. A little bit of both, I think, right? No. It's 100% about sex. 100% about sex? Except when Natalie Cole sings it. When Natalie Cole sings it, I think it was actually about the car. Well, yeah. We were just talking. Um, I also looked up here. It says, in 2001, AOL would not let users quote this in a Springsteen discussion group because they felt the lyrics were too suggestive. One of the offending lines was, my love is bigger than a Honda. Yeah, it's bigger than a Subaru. I don't even know what that oh, means. So like offensive. AO, AOL a discussion group would have to ban that. What does that even mean? A discussion group, <laughs> like an online chat, and like you can't talk about your love being bigger than a Honda. I guess. Weird. So like, yeah, these a lot of sexual metaphors in here. The pink Cadillac being a sexual metaphor for like uh, what, like the clitoris, or like uh, I guess. The, what are you asking me to translate? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what he's talking about. The euphemisms. Between- Bruce wrote it. I love Bruce you. Knows for sure. I love you for your pink Cadillac. <laughs> Have you ever le- used that line on a girl before, Johnny? No, not unless she really had a pink Cadillac. I probably would. That would probably be the only way I would say it. Yeah, but I'm, what I'm saying is that every girl has a pink Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as we were saying though, like Bette Midler wanted to record this song, and Bruce didn't Blocked let her. It. Didn't want her to do it, right? Yeah, he's. I don't know. That's super weird. He like, was like, it's literally like a year between the time he let Natalie Cole do it and the and he wouldn't let Bette Midler do it. So I don't know if it was some kind of record company thing where he was mad. Yeah, and he just said that because well, yeah. he was he said to Bette Midler that it wasn't a girl song. It's like a, yeah, it's like written a from a guy. Pink yeah, but then, then but Natalie, Natalie Cole, Cole had a hit with it. She had like a number five hit with it, I think. Right? Yeah. Natalie Cole can do it. Yeah, but so, Bette Midler, no. Yeah, not so much. But anyway, this song is right up the alley of the killer Jerry Lee Lewis. Who did this song on his uh, Last Man Standing album, which Those came out? Albums are just 2006. Like yeah, treasures. He put out a, like a string of albums in the, like the mid 2000s there, where he was. Uh, What's that? One well, there's Mean Old Man, which came out after. There's, this one came out. This was probably the first one. Last Man Standing came out, Last and it was like a duets record. What's the '94 one? That one's great. Well, that one is. Uh, it's called Young Blood. Young Blood. Young Blood. That's it. And it's Young got yeah, that's a great one. That's mid '90s, but this one is we're talking ten years later. Yeah, he put out he puts oh, yeah, out there's a big difference. yeah he puts out Last Man Standing. Uh, it's got Jim Keltner on drums, who we talked about on our other Cover Me episode. He was on that Joe tra- Joe Cocker track. He's always coming up. Yeah, so he's great. So you really hear the uh, the feel of Jim Keltner on this track. So this record was a, like a duets record, 2006, and then after that he did another one called Mean Old Man, which was kind of a similar. Those albums thing. are super great, though. Yeah. I just wanna. Stress that. Yeah, like, I mean, people probably think, oh, it's duets, whatever, if they don't know it. Most but of those duets are, so like, schlocky, good. stupid kind of things, right? Yeah. I know I hated the Sinatra ones. Those ones are the fucking those worst. Those ones are so good. Like the the Sinatra Lee ones? No, the Jerry Lee oh, Lewis okay, yeah. ones are so good. Yeah, for true. Both of them are, it's like... Well, good treasures. guests, right? Like, even though you have treasures. to put up with uh, you have to put up with Kid Rock on a song or two, I think, but... Whatever. At least Dave Grohl didn't show up. Don't dwell on the negative. Yeah, true. There's, there's a lot of positive on those. So what about the killer? Eh? Do you, you got any Jerry Lee stories there, John? I don't know. I when we saw Young him live. Blood is like the greatest. Such a great album. Like one of the best albums of the whole nineties. True. Comeback. Uh, I was almost comeback record. Eh? Like, and right around that time, you got that live at Hamburg. 
64. Which yeah, the Star like? Club, which is, I would say, everybody who's listening to this needs to own that. If you like music, if you like rock and roll, you need to own this. You like this, humans. Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's him and the Star Club in hamburg germany i guess in 64 he can't get arrested yeah. in america his so career is, yeah, Europe, is done and he's playing in like he's probably got a bunch of european guys as his band his They're band is actual the his band's ba- fantastic his band is actual the nashville teens oh is it yeah they the had that song fantastic. tobacco road and I, who did they play with nashville teens were like the backup band for somebody and then they, they became like the their band's own band unbelievably fantastic Fuck, they're cooking the sets unbelievably oh. fantastic it's so great. It's so the like rock and roll, pumped completely up. Completely bananas. Yeah. There's, it, between each song, the crowd is Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Whoa! Jerry, 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 yeah. Jerry, Jerry, Thank you very much. Jerry, Jerry, all right, here we go. We're going to do one for you now. We hope you enjoy this little ditty. Uh, this is one we had out a while back, done pretty good for us. Why don't you break down, honey, and give me just a little bit of that money? You're just a kill, uh, just cooking like punk rock, fired up rock and roll. Like, man, such a great album. Yeah, you can hear the sweat. You need to just... go out and buy Young Blood. You need to go out and buy <laughs> Hamburg live at Hamburg live at the Star Club. That's right. Called. And uh, you need to get those two duets albums. That's a lot of Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. Everybody so listening to this is gonna have to go buy. It's worth every penny though. We saw Jerry Lee in the I guess the late '90s. There, he played a couple of shows. I guess it was was touring that. Youngblood record and he had Slim Jim Phantom on drums that was a surprise though remember that we we didn't know that we didn't know that he was playing uh, he played the docks in Toronto which is now the Sound Academy and he played the next night he was playing Lulu's in Kitchener which doesn't exist anymore yeah Lulu's I gotta say was probably one of the greatest concert venues and we were just in the intro mentioned tom jones and we saw tom Tom jones Jones. there and that's one of the like 10 greatest shows we've ever seen too yeah we saw james brown there and that's one of the 10 greatest shows we've ever seen i saw the ramones there with teenage head opening that was one of the greatest every show i've seen there is like one of the greatest shows i've ever seen like they get incredible artists and the way what it is it's like a it was like an old kmart like department store and they turned it into a bar so it's literally like the hugest fucking bar like a 300 it foot was the long bar. bar for like a week or something and then somebody, somebody broke, the, broke record. the record yeah just for spite but it was something like silly like the longest bar. yeah but anyway jerry lee played toronto and there was some crazy thing where it's like the they were late or it was, it was like there was a long time we had to wait like the doors open at nine and they didn't go on stage till like 11 30 12 or something ridiculous but i remember we saw like the stand-up drum kit and i remember going there's only one guy that plays drums 
in a configuration like that. Like, it's got to be Slim Jim. And we were just like, and, and I love the Straight Cats, and Slim Jim's one of my favorite drummers, and I just love that guy. And So anyway, they they come on stage, and I'm like, yeah, there's Slim Jim. And then, remember, we were also surprised. It was James Burton on guitar. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, that show was so yeah. great. <laughs> And Especially it, Lulu's. Like, well, well, we well just let me, the first that show was good, yeah. but it was a little sloppy, right? Like yeah. you could tell, like they were they were they weren't rehearsing. That was their first night. Yeah, I think it was the first night. But then we went to see them the next night. They played in Kitchener, which is like a an hour down the road, at that Lulu's venue, and it was night and day. That show was incredible. Yeah, they were they were it just took on one fire night to get it. Together, yeah, and they were just like it, on fire. I remember there was that one part where. Uh, uh, they were playing some slaw, some song, and like Jerry Lee would like look over his shoulder and yell shit back at Slim Jim every once in a while. And then at one point, Slim Jim was like, "Come on, you old fucker," or something <laughs> like that. And he just like did like some kick-ass fill, and they just like tore it up and like took it to a new level. Or yeah, because he just like would kick. He would just start a song like and he'd start playing, and, and everybody going, would just have to jump like, in, and everybody would just have to start. Yeah, well, that's the thing, awesome. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so check out this. This is a pink Cadillac from that Last Man Standing album. So Bruce is on this. You hear Bruce with the uh, with the background vocals, and he, he kicks it off with the, come on now, killer. He has interjections. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on now, killer. Well, now you may think I'm a fool I fought the foolish things I do. You may wonder how come I love you when you get on my nerves like you do. Well, baby, you know you love me Ain't no secret about that But come on over here and love me, baby I'll show you where it's at Honey, it ain't your money But baby, I got many in that I love you for your feet, Cadillac Cause you feel the seat Riding in the back Through the street Baby, do the girl Too much gas. Some 
So next we're going to talk about a band. I always say, when people ask me, like, do you like any new bands? I always say this is my favorite new band, even though they came out, like, 25 years <laughs> ago. <laughs> haven't done an album. Yeah, this is my favorite, most recent band. Yeah, but <laughs> it was just the Cardigans from Sweden. The wonderful Cardigans. More albums that you have to go out and buy. Oh, my God. You every need, single album. There's three, there's three albums by the Cardigans you need to buy. Um, what a great band. Uh, led by Nina Pearson. One of the most the greatest women walking the earth right now. One of the greatest voices in music. Her voice just breaks my heart every time I hear a song by her. Great band. Um, and they're covering Downbound Train by Springsteen. Which is another one of my favorite Springsteen songs. This song came off. Born in the USA. I would hope that somebody would hear it and it would make them think, wow, this is a great version. I want to go get it. But this is like, I don't know. To me, it's like 0.1% of the Cardigans. Well, that's true. But I'm just saying this is a... so fantastic. Yeah. And you should buy every one of their albums. And uh, People know them for the song (laughs) Love Fool. Which came out in uh, what was when, what it? Was it that? even had like a joke. The, it even had a joke on the office of like the I don't know the guy who used to be on the Daily Show. I don't know his name, and he made a joke like singing the song and then said, "Oh, I wonder what ever happened to those guys." Like they were a super one-hit wonder. Meanwhile, that two yeah. albums later, they made the greatest album ever. Yeah. So first, Band on the Moon is the record that had Love Fool on it. That's a, that's a great album. That's like a. That album's like an 8 out of 10. And then the one they did after that was Gran Turismo, which is a 10 out of 10. They got a little bit more uh, electronic on that record. Uh, and then the record they did after that, which was uh, Long Gone Before Daylight, is another 10 out of 10. And that one they got more kind of like acoustic songwritery. And that, that's one of my favorite records. So this song is a, a live version, which is around that Long Gone Before Daylight time, 2004. Oh, the greatest band. What else can I say? What can I say? We've seen the Cardigans a few times. We saw them. Uh, they played Lee's Palace on the first Band on the Moon tour. That's when we first saw. I remember you. You, you're the guy that introduced me to the Cardigans. I remember going over to your house, and you're, and you're like, you got to check out this band. They're covering. Uh, yeah, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. The Sabbath yeah, because they used to do a lot of like, they did like three Sabbath. I think co- two or covers. three of the guys in the band are ex metalheads. Yeah. Well, probably metalheads. But you showed me the ex, cover of the CD, and it was that was it Life maybe, and it had like Nina in the little skater outfit. Oh, Life. The figure skater outfit. Yeah, yeah. That's Life. So she's just looking adorable in that, and I was just like, who is this band? And the music was great. And that's when they were doing like kitschy, like almost like loungy, like that song yeah, Carnival was kind of. In that they were totally different back then. Yeah. But I mean, Love Fool is kind of a, in that direction. Yeah, but the two albums after Love Fool are so great. And uh, I just, I don't know. When I heard La- when I heard Gran Turismo and Long Gone After Daylight, I just felt like, oh, the little band that I love, that I've loved for so long, now everybody's going to love them yeah. because they're going to hear this album and freak out. And both albums were just like, they didn't like it. I know. It wasn't. Anyway, this song, I remember, like I, I spoke to you last about like, how I'm all fucked up lately because of this herniated disc and I'm all fucking crying and everything like that and I was crying during Dream Baby Dream well I, I almost I think I might have rolled a tear in this song there's a in the breakdown verse on this where she's uh, there's that third verse where there's the breakdown and she's the last part where she's like I dropped to my knees hung my head and cried like with the way she sings oh she breaks my heart with her voice so much. <laughs> she's got the greatest voice like oh man I just I love it so much like her voice I don't know something about it oh. You know, certain people just have a tone to their voice that you just like to hear. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's just, it's like an indescribable quality that just. 
don't know. I just feel like anybody who really likes music is probably old. And in what, is, what does that mean? Anybody who likes music is probably old? I'm just in 1995, like so, so much great stuff was out from like 88 to 95. At least it seemed that way at the time. Now looking back on it, maybe not all of it is so great. But around 95 and especially around 98, it just seemed like things totally seemed to slow down. Yeah. And these guys' whole career is from 95 That's to there, like 2005. Yeah. And every time they put out an album, it was like the greatest album of the year. And like I just lost my mind. Every time they were putting out a new album, I was more excited about it than any. Like during that time period, that they were Gran- absolutely my yeah. number one favorite band. That Gran Turismo record, I remember. Fuck, I remember. Oh, that one was really good too. Yeah. We saw them that tour. Like, I mean... Yeah, that tour, they had that guy, they the, the thin Lizzie looking guy on base. They came one time to Toronto and played... They played the, the same night as uh, Black Sabbath, and we chose the Cardigans over Black Sabbath. Remember that? Yeah. That's was one of the nights. It's well, like, that. we can go see Black Sabbath at the Sky Dome, or we can go see Cardigans at and Warehouse. And I think she thanked the crowd. Yeah, she was like, just like... Thanks for coming to see us when you could have saw Black Sabbath. <laughs> And in 2000, another amazing thing about the Cardigans in my life, too, is in 2008 or whatever, that's when I first got a computer and I had no idea how to use it. So I just went to (laughs) websites like I didn't I wasn't on social media yet. So I would just go to websites. So one of the first websites I went to was, oh, I'm going to go to the Cardigans website. And uh, Magnus is like the coolest guy. He totally ran the website. Yeah, he, he, he would, likes to interact, right? He would be like, leave me a question. Maybe I'll answer it or whatever. And he answered every question I ever <laughs> left. And I asked him the most goofiest questions, yeah, like yeah. stuff about hockey and stuff like that. And he would always just leave a silly answer, <laughs> like some kind of answer. And there's Swedes are cool, man. I love people. Swedes. There's 500 people on there every time I yeah. go there asking, uh, when are you going to play Mexico? And he totally had a disclaimer, like, we're not touring anymore, so please don't ask any questions about touring. Is this recently? No, like, I don't know, 2009 Oh, okay, yeah. Because they actually play a few festivals a year right now, though, but... Yeah. Uh, they're sort of back together, but the... Peter's not there, not the guitarist it. Peter's not there, right? And he's a main songwriter. He's too, the main but. guy, he's like the Keith the Hermick. Yeah. <laughs> but Bengt is still there on drums. B E N G T, Bengt. And uh, Magnus on the bass and... Uh, Lars Olaf. Lars Olaf on the keyboards, keyboards and uh, second guitar occasionally, yeah. This is the song just about being down and out, man. Like your 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 life's just heading down, spiraling down. Like when down. the boss lost his job? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the protagonist in this song goes through three jobs in the course of this song. Like he starts off, he's like... Uh, he, he had a job, he had something going. He was working down at a lumber yard and then he got laid off, right? And then he's, I love the line, like he, now he works down at the car wash, but all it do, ever does is rain, right? Like he can't catch a break. <clears throat> down in the last verse, he's like, now I swing a sledgehammer on a railroad gang. So this well, guy is just, just so keep jobs going, going down the down. line. Yeah, like <laughs> lumber yard to car wash to like, like railroad gang worker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so check this song. I love the uh, Peter on the guitar just like slamming some Keith Richards-esque guitar chords to uh, start this off so this song wasn't recorded ever by the cardigans this is just something i found on youtube and them playing it live in 2004 and uh i just love this so check this out downbound train by the cardigans
Next, we're going to do some Gary U.S. Bonds. Gary U.S. Bonds made an appearance on the first Cover Me episode we did. Yeah, which I have to apologize for because I said maybe he was uh, recorded with Cosimo Matassa. Oh, yeah, New the, the New Orleans J&M and Studios. He's totally like a Norfolk, Virginia guy. Yeah, totally the opposite end of the country almost. <laughs> well, he had a song called New Orleans. I yeah, think. yeah. Maybe it's recorded in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah so, totally wrong so sometimes that. we make mistakes, but whatever. We're just fans. We're just babbling about rock and roll here. It's all cool. But yeah, he he recorded in Norfolk, Virginia, and one of the things which gave him that vibe of his kind of style was that sort of do-it-yourself, like low, lo-fi, lo-fi, like recording. Fi- recording vibe was on his records, right? A lot of like just live. Basically, you hear well the Milk saxophone solo, egg cartons on the stuff, yeah. And the sax, he's always given a shout out to Daddy G, which is Daddy Gene G Barge, on the sax, who plays the sax. Gene Barge, right? Yeah, and he. Uh, and you can totally hear his solos, and you can totally hear the vocals. But other than that, it's like a like a little bit of noise in the background with hand claps right. <laughs> here during all the hits. But they're yeah. all great. They just have a total like dance. Yeah, it's just got a vibe, just of, like a high school dance vibe to his songs or whatever, you know. So Especially we're gonna do school is out. School is out is a good one. That has a really school vibe to it. A lot of hand claps on that one, I hope too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about the song "This Little Girl," written by Bruce. This came off the uh, dedication record in 81, so this was the first of two records produced by Bruce and Steve, and the E Street Band played on uh, like half the tracks on each of the records. This uh, this little girl was written specifically for this record. I guess the story was that Bruce was playing somewhere, and he invited Gary to come down. And or no, I think Gary U.S. Bonds was playing somewhere, and Bruce guested with him. On stage one For night. For sure, they met on the road. Yeah, they met on the road, and they played, like, gigs. Gary's never stopped doing shows. Yeah. He was, like, even in the 70s when, like, a lot of these nostalgic acts were not, were gone, he was still playing, like, the hotels and the banquet halls and just kept touring and touring and just playing gig after gig after gig, right? So one of these gigs, Bruce showed up and played, like, two hours on stage, I think, with him, and they kind of started a friendship, decided to make some music together. So we're in this, the studio recording, and I guess... Uh, the story goes, uh, we heard, 
I heard this story, and I'll give this credit to uh, this other podcast, the Pods and Saws Network, with uh, Eric Miller interviewed uh, Gary U.S. Bonds recently on his podcast. So, so check that out, everybody. And Gary told a story about this song where um, they were in the studio recording, and I guess Bruce didn't want to go home, so he decided to go back to Gary's house that night um, and just hang out. And Gary's just like, "Yeah, come back to my place, and uh, Mama's gonna make some food for us, and." Uh, we can just hang out, and we'll go back to the studio the next morning. So Bruce is like, yeah, all right, that's a good idea. I'll come with the boss, right? So they're hanging out, and then I guess Gary goes to bed, and Bruce kind of, like, hangs out on Gary's piano there and writes this song, this little girl. And I guess he comes up, and he, he goes to Gary, and he wakes him up, and he says, boss, I got this song. You got to come hear it. And Gary's like, oh, can I wait till the morning? I'm sleeping. Come on. <laughs> and Bruce is like, no, it's too good. Come on, you got to hear it. So he gets up, and he goes, and he plays the song, and, and then Gary's like, all right, that's great. I'll talk to you in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, going back to bed. I'm going back to bed, yeah. <laughs> so then the next day, they go into the studio, and they cut this track, This Little Girl. Really cool song. It's obviously got that, you know, standing on the corner, watching the girls go by vibe. What's that? Uh, that's like a Dean Martin song, isn't it? On the corner, watching all the girls go. Yeah, so there's a lot of Springsteen songs that are kind of standing on the corner, watching the chicks. It's really that vibe. It's got the 50s, 60s. Soul kind of feel, you know, good solos on this song. It's uh, it's just one of the E Street Band tracks. So you got Clarence and Bruce playing the solos on this, kind of trading back and forth. Yeah, I'll say that quarter, they uh, recently, Gary Bonds, Gene Barge, yeah. Chuck D from Public Enemy, and Daddio from Stetsasonic re-recorded quarter to three. I saw that. But it's just a video, I think. Yeah, I saw that. I think I, I shared that on Facebook or something yeah, like that. I've never, yeah. I haven't seen a link yet to buy it as like a download. What, or what it is or what's, what it's from, yeah. yeah it's but just, they put up the video. Yeah. So you can check out the video. Yeah, check out Gary U.S. Bonds, man. He's got a really, uh, some really cool ties to Springsteen. What was that Stones concert we were watching where Gene Barge was the saxophone Oh, fuck, player. yeah, that just came out. My favorite Stones era is like the 81, 82, like Still Life tour. That's I, I just love that era. I just think that was the last time the Stones were kind of raw and didn't have any of the Flash background singers and horns and all that stuff, right, that would come later. So they just, they're putting out all these kind of bootleg series, like stuff from the vaults like these shows, live live albums, live DVDs. So one came out from uh, the very last show of that Still Life tour from 82 where they played in London, some like big open area where it's 100,000 people or something like that. And it's that tour, they didn't have Bobby Key. I'm not sure if they didn't have Bobby Keys, but they had Ernie Watts for most of it, played sax. But for this show, they had Daddy G was there for some reason. He played some few shows, so yeah. that was Gene really Barge. cool. Yeah, and he's Gene wearing Barge. a shirt that says yeah, Daddy his shirt G, says it's One of those like shirts <laughs> with just like the, the block letterings you would get at those kiosks at the mall, and it's just like Daddy G Daddy or something. G. <laughs> awesome, yeah. <laughs> All right, so check out this. Gary U.S. Bonds doing a Springsteen song with the E Street Band, uh, This Little Girl. Here she comes.
Next song we're going to do is by the uh, the narrator of the Dukes of Hazard. The Immortal. The Immortal. One of the greatest outlaws in country music ever, Waylon Jennings. Oh, I love Waylon Jennings. What do you think about Waylon Jennings, Johnny? He's great. He's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, fucking Waylon Jennings, eh? Those vests and those long, shaggy... He was kind of the first country guy to go rock star-ish, you know? To have long hair? Have long hair and, like, kind of, you know play like a rock band like do concerts like rock bands would do concerts you know he was the first kind of country guy to go like into some rock and roll territories with like partying and drinking and beer on stage you know and like jeans on stage and wearing instead of wearing suits they would wear like jeans and long hair and like like opposite of the Leuven brothers yeah exactly like yeah <laughs> like he's the opposite of that Merle Haggard song Okie from Muskoki right like he's the opposite he's the opposite yeah so Anyway, Waylon Jennings doing this song, I'm on Fire, which is one of my favorite Springsteen songs. I'm on Fire. Springsteen wrote this around the 82, 83 era. Okay, uh, appeared on the Born in the USA album, but it was uh, written kind of around the Nebraska stuff. And he, I think I'd read he wrote it kind of thinking of like a Johnny Cash kind of tic-tac kind of style. Like he wrote it in a country style, but then when it appeared on the album, it kind of transformed into more of a, a different kind of thing, which is uh, which is just great in itself. But uh he wrote it with that in mind, and Johnny Cash actually recorded this uh, maybe in the early 2000s. He did a version of "I'm on Fire." They did a they did like a tribute album to Nebraska where people oh, were yeah, covering, right. yeah, and he did, and and he did that Cash because did. "I'm on Fire" was technically like an outtake from Nebraska kind of thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So he did that on there. So we get this Waylon Jennings oh, version. Oh, you mean at that time? What? It was an outtake from Nebraska at that time. Because yeah, like it was written like around the Nebraska era. And so when Johnny Cash did it, it hadn't come out yet. Like no, like the tribute the album USA. came out. They did a tribute album in, in like the 2000s, I think. Oh, okay. I'm not sure with that. But I'm just saying. I thought you meant at the time that Johnny Cash recorded it, it hadn't been released and it's born in the USA. No, uh, Johnny Cash or, recorded it like in the 2000s, yeah. I think, or the 90s or whenever. Okay, so that's way later. Way later, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so one of my favorite Springsteen songs, just like a smoldering song about a guy just like pining over a lady, right? Like I always love that. The, the the one I sing this song often, right? I I do I cover this song when I play live and stuff like that, and I've always sang that verse. Uh, sometimes it feels like someone took a knife, baby edging and dull, and I always sing "Cut a six inch valley through the middle of my skull." But the lyric is always it is soul, soul, yeah. yeah. I but I always misheard that lyric as skull, and I <laughs> I just kind of like singing like through the middle of my skull. I always love that. So so that's a lyric that I always purposely miss sing. <laughs> Does rhyme. Yeah, and uh, I, I love the the very last line on this uh, this song. Uh, in, in when he's singing, oh, "Oh, oh, I'm on fire." The last line he sings is actually kind of the way I sing it, where he goes like, "Oh, oh, oh, I'm on fire." He hits like a like a different note to end on, which uh, I dig. I sing that line a lot often. This album was uh, this Waylon put this on uh, his Sweet Mother Texas album from 1986 <laughs> so it's definitely got some 80s production on it like you'll hear some slick 80s uh production says, styles on it it's the last album it says on wikipedia like it's the last album for one label before he started with another label but oh, he really? had been on that label for a really long time and 90, rca probably and this 86 album is kind of like his last rca record yeah so it's just like yeah outtakes and yeah stuff to put together yeah like I hadn't heard this record, this song until recently. Like this song didn't wasn't popular at all. This Waylon version, but we love Waylon, so let's play it. Love this song, one of my faves. Chicks always love "I'm on Fire." You know, for I like "Fire." Fire by the Pointer Sisters. 
Really? Yeah. That's your version? Better than the Robert Gordon version? Yeah, I mean, I like the... Fu- that's a Bruce Springsteen song, right? Mm-hmm. I really like Fire by the Pointer Beer. Sisters, but that's got Beer. nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Other than the fact that it's a Bruce Springsteen song with the with word, word fire, fire in it. it. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't really have much to do with it, but I really like that song. <laughs> All right, so it's check it. It's to be one of my favorite Springsteen things ever. I love that. The Pointer Sisters doing, doing fire. fire. Wait, I always remember that. That song reminds me of shopping with my mom, like when you would go to like Woolco. like you'll hear it in malls. Like the late 70s. Great. Yeah, yeah. I would remember shopping like at Woolco with my mom. And I remember that pause where it's like, Romeo and Juliet. It's <laughs> great. Love that song. It's pretty good, yeah. So where were we? Yeah, Waylon Jennings, <laughs> I'm on fire. <laughs> okay. We're talking about Waylon Jennings. All right, so check out this. I, I got to say, I like the Springsteen version better, obviously, but Waylon is just so fucking badass. We got to play a Waylon Jennings song. And uh, it's a, it sounds similar to the Springsteen version, but it's just got a little country and it. it's got like a banjo in the back there. And it's got that kind of uh, Mickey Raphael-esque harmonica in there every once in a while. It might even be him. I'm not sure. I'd, maybe not, but who knows. But somebody knows. I don't know right now anyway. <laughs> Check out this way more doing I'm on fire. Hey, little lady, is your man at home? Did he go away and leave you all alone? I got a bad desire. Oh, I'm on fire. Tell me, little lady, is it good for you? Can he do the good things I can do? I can take you high. There you go. Thanks to Johnny Cars for helping us out with this show. As always, check out the show on iTunes. Feel free to leave a five-star rating and review if you feel so inclined. Share the show up with your friends. Check out our Facebook group page. We'll talk with you next time, and thanks for listening. So, that's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at TrampsLikeUsPod.com. Communicate with us on Facebook at our Tramps Like Us podcast group page. And on Twitter at Tramps Like Us Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes where you can leave a review and a five star rating. Tramps Like Us Podcast is a nonprofit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. 
and we are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, iTunes, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band.